0: Center and coming in as blue, Billingsley centers that and that
1: scores. Andy McDonald and over at that flame bench, there's all kinds of excitement going on there. Score! Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All
0: right, we are underway this hour on Flames Talk with Wes of Post Media. Steinberg along with you sports drives underway brought to you by calgary lock and safe this christmas give the gift of security with smart locks and safes visit calgarylockandsafe.com of course flames talk on apple spotify google amazon or wherever you get your podcasts and of course live right here on sportsnet 960 the fan
1: just to set this up properly was this billed as a brilliant idea
0: i think that this is an idea
1: (laughs) (laughs) sounds different than what i first heard yeah you know what
0: I don't think anything I do is brilliant, so.
1: Oh, come probably. on. I should probably back off on that. Um,
0: let me throw this at you. We're coming at you from our uh, Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Flames after Monday's 4-3 comeback overtime win in Seattle are now 5-1-2 and 2 in their last eight. So they've done a nice job of kind of rectifying their first ten with their first eight of their next ten, um, if that makes any sense. An impressive turnaround. And they're right back in the thick of the Western Conference playoff race, which I think is where we both believe they should be. I don't think either of us ever believed they were 2-7-1 and one bad. That was a surprisingly poor start to the season. But I also don't know how much higher I expect them to go in the standings. Like, Do I see this team as uh, just a, a juggernaut that got caught sleeping early on and now they're going to play 750 hockey from here on out? No, I, I don't necessarily know if I feel that way. So fighting for a wild card or a third spot in the Pacific Division is what I was expecting for them this season. That's where they are right now. And for me, that's kind of where I think that's the mix they're gonna stay in for the rest of the year. So it's better than where they were. And and now I think for them to be in that Western Conference playoff mix from here until some big decisions are made seems realistic. Is that would that would that be fair to
1: categorize where you are as well? Yeah, I think if we if we go back to sort of training camp, one of the discussions we had is it, it was pretty hard to even figure out what to expect from this team. But I, I like the point that you made with Wilsey on the round table that, you know, maybe this is the, the group that we've seen for the past hundred games, which has been a a sort of... Great, middle of the road? Yeah, middle yeah. of the road is a great way to put it. And so, um, yeah, I, I think... Taking a step back, I I can't say that I I knew exactly what we were going to get from this team, but, you know, sort of scratching around the the 500 mark probably makes some sense. So that brings back
0: the biggest question for, I think, many fans right now, or one of the biggest questions surrounding this team. And it would be the biggest question regardless of their record. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Um, But I think that this is the... This is the hypothetical that I get thrown at me a lot on the text line when doing post game or on the phone lines when doing post game. If the flames are in position X come January, come February, come the trade deadline and they still have unsigned unrestricted free agents. What do they do? Will they trade them or will they make what many believe is a mistake and, and roll the dice and see what happens with, Noah Hannafin and Elias Lindholm and Chris Tanev and Nikita Zadorov. if those guys aren't traded by the trade deadline. And so it's a fair question. And I think I've come to my conclusion as to the way I think that they should go about their business. I think it has the potential of satisfying both worlds of, you know, you don't want to completely tank your season, but you also don't want to, miss the opportunity to capitalize and maximize on assets and also don't want to put yourself in a spot where you lose an asset for absolutely nothing. So this is, this is my brilliant idea. So, Let's hear. Between now and then, it's not really all that. It's not like we're talking hockey rocket hey, science. Here. Would you
1: quit selling yourself short? Just okay. read your brilliant idea for Between us.
0: Between now and the deadline, you trade every UFA that you know you're not going to sign, and that you, if, if they don't want to be here, or if you're not going to be signing them, or if one side isn't sure, you trade every single one of them if they're in that category. You don't chase I, those UFAs. I'm on UFAs. board with that one. Okay. Yeah. And you also don't chase overpays like you don't chase a contract that you're like yeah well that's the price it's gonna right it's gonna take to keep them here. If you can get a team friendly deal or or something that is very, very fair that's different, but don't be chasing Some of the contract offers that maybe we've talked about in the past, right? I think that the paradigm has changed a little bit now that Lindholm didn't sign whatever was on the table or Hannafin and the Flames didn't agree to something in the summer. And so the paradigm's changed. We're almost a quarter of the way into the season. And so I, I don't think that you can be chasing those same deals knowing how this season has begun. You go and you make the trades. You get a mix of young NHLers in the age range of like 20 to 24. You get a mix of young NHLers, prospects and picks. That helps you in the big picture, in the small picture. Yes, you lose established NHLers, but you also open the door for younger players, for more youth, for young NHLers that might be brought in in some of these deals. It opens the door for guys like Solovyov or Poirier or Kuznetsov on the back or Coronado and Klapka up front. And isn't youth one of the main reasons that the Flames have been able to turn their fortunes here over the last few weeks? Like these young guys coming in and infusing something different has been a big reason why the Flames have been able to roll off this five, one and two stretch. So who's to say that by making these trades, getting younger, moving off of some of your established NHL or that they automatically just fall off the face of the face of the earth and are no longer a good or competitive team? I, I look at Nashville last year, who traded away Eckholm, Niederreiter, Janot, and Granland for a haul of picks and prospects before the deadline, and they were better after doing that than they were before. I also look at the Blues in 2018. They decided to sell, then they only sold one piece, but they didn't buy. They sold off Paul Stastny for picks and prospects, and again, they just missed the playoffs like Nashville did last year. So that's the way I think this team should be looking at it right now. By making those trades, maybe you become way less competitive in the immediacy. Maybe you don't. But then you also get this haul of assets, some that maybe can jump in and play right now, or some that you can maybe flip for help in the offseason or even before this year's trade deadline to to help satisfy other organizational needs. To me, that has the opportunity of satisfying both worlds, where you do pivot, look at the bigger picture, but you also don't completely give up on what your team could be in the immediacy
1: well i think what you're describing on on the uh rebuild to retool scale is something sort of in the the middle right what what you're saying is don't don't just rip it down to the studs where all you're trying to get back is draft picks and you're kind of committing in some ways to to what would be a prolonged rebuild you're saying if the Flames can bring in some guys who are already NHL ready, and then supplement that with picks. You're sort of fast-forwarding a retool in some ways, right? Yep. And I, yep. I absolutely agree. I, I don't. I know you keep mentioning Nashville, and I don't disagree with it. I just think, they're just the most recent example of a team that went yeah, down that road. I just think it clouds the issue a little bit in the sense of. If you commit to selling off four key pieces, right? You're committed to trading Elias Lindholm, Chris Tanev, Noah Hannafin, and Nikita Zadorov. If you're going that route, just don't worry about what the rest of the season looks like. If you If you turn out like Nashville and the young guys happen to win you some games down the stretch, that's just fine. But really, if you're making those trades, just take the very best package that you can get for the bigger picture, for optimizing a window that I, I think you're still looking at. You're trying to make the best of some long contracts that you've signed, right? Yep. And so you're you're not ready to say we're, we want to be bad for the next five years. You're trying to figure out how you can be competitive again in two years. And that's exactly what you're talking about, that that bringing in younger guys that are ready. But don't be afraid to take picks. don't Don't be afraid to eat a bad contract. If if that means, and I'm not vouching for this, but if that means John Klingberg's on your blue line for the last two months because you had to take his contract to get Toronto to sweeten the return in a deal, do it. Yep. Forget about yep. what the rest of this yep. season looks like. If you're committing to trading four key pieces, you're in.
0: Is that not kind of what the Predators did? And I don't want to call Tyson Berry a bad contract, because actually, I think he's it's a fair contract for yeah. what he is. But for the Oilers to go and get Eckholm, who they believed was the blue liner they needed right. to make it work salary-wise, Barry had to go the other way at a $4.5 million cap hit. And the Predators not only took him back and, and did so like to make the deal happen. They also turned him into one of the leaders on that team. Tyson Berry was one of the big reasons why they stayed competitive as, as the, you know, as, as the post trade predators played out. So yeah, I I think that's a, if it's, if it's a Klingberg or any other player that might help money work for the other team. Yeah, that absolutely should be on the
1: table. As long as that and the money that goes with it is just the, the throw it right. Like, Ty- that the, can't be the Tyson Berry was not yeah. the return yeah. in the trade. He was a part of it, but that was about a first round pick in the draft primarily and a prospect, I believe in Reed Schaefer,
0: Reed Schaefer, a first round pick and a fourth round pick.
1: Yeah. We're kind of the, and then future taking Tyson Berry to balance the money. And so if that, if that's what it has to be, absolutely. I, I think, and I, I want to point this part out because we're you and I are gonna have this conversation. What to do? Here's where they are in the standings, what should they do with the UFAs? We're we're gonna have this conversation over and over and over. And I just look at the next few weeks. If if you're listening on your drive home or you're listening on the pod and you're thinking, guys, you know, they're they're only a couple points out of a playoff spot, like they can't sell. I think the next few weeks are gonna be very illuminating in terms of where the flames are after tomorrow's game against the Nashville predators in a 10 game span. They have the Dallas stars twice. Yep. They have the Vegas golden Knights twice. They have the Colorado avalanche twice. They have a Vancouver team. That's going to be much more well-rested than the last time they were in town. They have Carolina and they have new Jersey. Nine of their 10 games are against what I would consider to be very stout opponents. And if Craig Conroy wants proof of what his current group looks like against Stanley Cup contenders, he's going to get it in the next few weeks. And if this group, and I personally don't expect them to look like they are a contender against some of those teams, not saying they won't squeak out some wins against them. I, I just don't expect to come through that 10 game stretch and think, Geez, they, they just went toe-to-toe with a murderer's row of opponents. And if they don't, I think Craig Conroy is going to feel even more emboldened to start to take some of those steps.
0: Yeah, that's fair. And I just, i I, I feel like, I know there's, like in that locker room, for instance, they don't, Jonathan Huberdeau and and Nazem Kadri and Jacob Markstrom. I just use those three guys because they are veteran guys who want to win and who are on contracts that are beyond this year, still well beyond this year. I don't think any one of those three guys would be super thrilled to see Noah Hannifin or Elias Lindholm traded away for futures, that because I think that would be like, well, that's that's the opposite of. Two years ago when you went out and got Yarn Croak and Toffoli, now we're trading guys away and becoming less competitive. I get that that is not something that the NHL player who is wired to win wants to see it happen. But if you're Craig Conroy, you can't care about, it's not, it's not that you can't care about it, but it's you need to separate yourself from the day-to-day roller coaster that is an 82-game season. And you need to almost, I think anyway, go out of your way to be pragmatic and go out of your way to kind of take emotion out of it. I I still, you know, Jay Feaster's time in Calgary was checkered and, and up and down itself, but he gave us one phrase that I'll never forget, and that's intellectually honest. And if you're going to be intellectually honest about what your team is, are you a Stanley cup contender this season? If the answer to that question, when you break it down internally and use all of the hockey brain power that you've got in your front office, and the answer to that question is not succinctly, overwhelmingly yes, then it makes no sense not to be pragmatic and trade away these players and make sure that you set yourself up better so that in the big picture, Maybe you can be a Stanley Cup contender in the not so distant future.
1: And I, I'm gonna share a quote from another past Flames general manager and and I'll never forget Brad Treliving saying the players know. The players know when they have a good team. Yeah. And yeah, I don't think that Jonathan Huberto is is gonna love to see a bunch of his teammates go out the door or maybe Jacob Markstrom or or Rasmus Anderson, but when we get through a couple of months i think the players will know whether they believe they have a contender or not and if they don't then i think they'll support what wouldn't be a total teardown but an attempt to make sure that they're competitive sooner than later
0: and you know what else doing that does is that for the rest of the season it puts It's like okay yeah we traded away these guys but Jonathan, we still need you to be our offensive leader. Like, we need you even more. And Nazem, we need you even more. Rasmus, we need, like, be better. And it it almost puts, kind of throws the gauntlet down to them in that we want to stay competitive. So go out and and raise your game even more so that we don't fall out of the playoff
1: race. Well, and the the back end is another story, but we're talking about, we're only talking about trading one forward. Yeah. That's the same as, as losing a guy to an injury or what if in, in return for Elias Lindholm, you can get a a good young piece at forward. It's not, it's not like those games that you and I have seen too many of at the end of the season, where you're looking at the game sheet and it's all training camp numbers because they've called everyone up from the minors. That's not going to be the case at forward with the Calgary flames, but you're absolutely right. You know, it's a, it's a challenge to the guys who are still here. Show us you, you know show us that you're going to be part of us being competitive sooner than later as well
0: yeah so was my idea brilliant enlightened what do we what do we say
1: should we go to break and i'll i'll give you an honest answer then well no it was I'm... a good idea i yeah I, <laughs> brilliant ah it was a great idea pat <laughs> yes it, if... it it was perfectly logical and so, if it if it falls short of brilliant, it's because it made too much damn sense to be outside the box. Yeah, I don't know if it's outside the box. No, it's not. It
0: it's perfectly logical. They have to move these pieces. Yeah, and then maybe maybe you throw in a Vladar trade in there as well. And now you get Dustin Wolf. I know there's one of us who's really really adamant that Dustin Wolf should be playing all the time in the NHL you get wolf in there, solovyovs in there, opens the door for a coronado to come back. Uh, maybe you do bring in a young defenseman and a young forward and now they're getting an opportunity. I don't know. It just it doesn't completely blow up your team, but it also is still pointed at the future, which I think is super important here because yeah. you you can't you can't
1: forget about the big picture. No, it has to the future has to be the overriding priority yeah
0: yeah uh coming up on thursday not only is it u.s thanksgiving but uh our annual trip for one of our annual trips to adrenaline source for sports we're always there on u.s thanksgiving though uh that's where flamestock will be coming at you from on thursday because their uh, massive black friday sales event starts november 24th goes through the 26th so we'll be there to set it up at adrenaline coming up on thursday During their Black Friday sale, save up to 40% on branded and licensed apparel. Get up to 30% off Adrenaline's hockey brands like Bauer, CCM, True, and Warrior. Shop every category, including Yeti, Drinkware, and Coolers. Find great savings all Black Friday weekend long. Come see for yourself at 9309 McLeod Trail Southwest. That's Thursday at Adrenaline. They fit your game.
1: Your team right now. Flames Talk is on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
0: All right, let's go inside hockey on this Tuesday for Calgary Co-op. It's that time to stock up for the celebrations that matter with ingredients that help make memories. Visit Calgary Co-op where life's in store. It's uh, Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson along with you on this Tuesday edition of Flames Talk. And actually, uh, I'm quite excited for this next one. Not like I'm not always excited to talk to this next gentleman, but usually it's uh, in a hotel boardroom in June that uh, I talked to this gentleman not on a November evening in southern ontario we welcome in the director of amateur scouting at the Calgary flames todd button who joins us on the program right now hello todd how are you today
2: i'm well pat how are you guys doing
0: doing well doing well we wanted to we wanted to bring you on today because uh, first of all, credit to Wes Gilbertson, his idea, uh, and and second of all, like you take a look at the way the Flames have played of late. There's been a lot of feel good stories from drafted players, and just wanted to look back on kind of draft day and and decisions to draft those players. And I know for you, it's all about the next draft class, and and you don't keep a ton of tabs on guys once they've been drafted. Like as soon as that final pick gets made on the the second day of the draft you're already focused on the 2024 or whatever the the next year's class is but do do you keep like a few tabs do you keep some tabs on the guys that you've drafted in the past
2: sure with i mean with just with the internet and the access to information it's easy to keep tabs on guys and you know you're always looking even this year's this past class and the the class that's still playing junior or uh, college or in Europe, you, you you check them out online and you see you know every every Sundays or Mondays you go through all the stats and the game reports and everything, so you, you get to keep a good tab on them. And of course uh, um, with the American League team, we're always uh, keeping them on uh, on like on fast uh, on the on the we're always keeping tabs on them. And it's really easy to do because you have access to video, you have access to uh, Instats and you have access to a lot of uh, analytics too. So it, it, it is a lot easier than it used to be, but uh, I would say, absolutely. It's uh we keep tabs on them a lot closer than we used to.
0: Okay. Well, um I, I if you go back and look at some of the stock photography of the 2007 NHL draft, there's a, there's a young Michael Backlund with frosted tips uh, up on stage. And there is uh, there, there's Todd Button standing right beside him at the 2007 NHL draft. Michael just hit 500 NHL points on Monday. He's already over 900 NHL games. He's now the captain of the Calgary Flames. I just I take us back to geez, we're more than 16 years ago since Michael was drafted, but take us back to why Michael was the guy at number 24 overall for your group in 2007.
2: Well, it was a good, it was a good group there that we thought uh, we originally had, I think the 17th pick and, uh, there were, there were, uh, four guys that, uh, we really had on our radar around 17 and, uh, we had a chance to trade down. We didn't have a uh, second that year. So we had a chance to trade down and pick up another pick. So, um, we had a, a good idea that, uh, uh, Michael might still be there. Michael had uh, what they call jumper's knee, uh, tendonitis in the knee, so I think uh, that injury may have slowed him a little bit down um, skating-wise, but uh, we really liked everything about his game and thought, once we did our research on the uh, the tendonitis, basically in the knee, that uh, everything was checked out. We were really excited to get him at 24, and uh, uh, back, uh, even more excited now to have a guy close to 1,000 games in one uniform, captain of the Flames, and that's a good person. That's that's a real uh, credit to him.
1: Todd, it's Wes here. I'm I curious. Uh, what really jumped out about Backlund in, in his draft? Like when when you were sort of going over those options, you thought you had at, at 17, and then trading down. What what really struck you about his skill set at that point?
2: He was he, he was he was very well rounded. And a big thing that struck struck us is that in the big games, he always saved um, the best for the big games, and uh, um, he was very consistent player. Meaning his lows weren't low. He wasn't uh, high one game and then bad the next game. He was very consistent, and then when he got to the big games, the big moments, he delivered. So those were the things. He he wasn't a you know sometimes as scouts we we try and classify guys differently. Playmaker. Uh, shooter, but he was—he made the right decision. The right decision was to shoot or to make a play. Then he—he he did what we thought was the right decision, and uh, he just—he was an all-round, heady, skilled centerman.
0: Did you see? Uh, did you see captain material in Michael? I know that's a tough question to ask about an 18-year-old at the time. But did you see uh, high-end leadership skills from from Michael looking back?
2: Well, he was a captain. I watched he plays for, so you know, he was a captain on that under. I think he When we went to see him in his club team, he actually played in uh, the all that that year, uh, half and half. So, yeah, we absolutely saw leadership. And, again, leadership, wearing a, a, a letter on your sweater is obviously a, a high honour. But there's other forms of leadership. And Michael displayed that well in his work determination. Even now, his preparation, his off-season, everything goes along with being a really good pro Michael had.
0: Wes wants to ask you, we we just finished talking about Michael. Uh, Wes wants to ask you about another guy who just hit a milestone on Monday.
1: Yeah, and I just want to throw, for those who don't know, I just want to throw this stat out there first. So Andrew Mangiapane last night, his 100th goal, all on behalf of the Flames, becomes the 16th player from the 2015 NHL draft class to score 100 goals. Now, of those 16... You've got a dozen first round picks. You've got 14 guys in the top 50, and then you've got a fifth rounder and the Calgary flames sixth round pick that winter Andrew, or sorry, that summer, Andrew Mangiapane. So the deepest in his draft class to have a hundred already Todd, if you go back and I, I know Andrew was passed over and his is first time through the draft. So, so he's a 19 year old at this point when you're, discussing, Andrew, when you're sort of sizing up what you see there, what uh, what jumped out about his game?
2: Um, perseverance, determination. And he always had that, but when he went through the first draft, and I know he sat through through it, then he went through and they went back. And I, I can say it would probably be easy for a kid to get deterred at that point. And he did, he, uh, he amped it up a level. And uh, I give I give the credit to uh terry Doran for being persistent with him and keeping him uh, alive and we try and make sure that hey, you go through a, a draft that happens we keep tabs on these guys guys uh progress or develop at different rates and uh andrew was one of those guys and by the time it went through the second draft or where it came into his second go round, like he was he was a, a dominating player he was uh um, strong he was persistent he was determined I'm gonna bet you a lot of those hundred goals there weren't too many outside the tops of the you know circles so that that's uh, that's a smaller framed player going into the heavy heavy areas and getting beat and getting beat up to score those goals so uh again the the main thing the word I could use with this group of players is perseverance because he he had it and determination
1: it uh it certainly was fitting that the uh, 100th was from Gimme Range cuz you're you're right a lot of blue paint goals in those uh those first 100 at the NHL level i'm i'm wondering when you're when you're trying to project how a, a player that you're looking to draft is going to fare as a a pro and and especially as an NHLer what do you what are you sort of bearing in mind? What are you looking at to try to predict if those offensive skills are going to translate? Because Andrew's a guy who was a a prolific scorer as a junior, but what are you looking for that maybe tells you okay, I think he can keep producing as a pro?
2: Well, again, with him, it was it was uh, the never never say die, never quit attitude, and you'd see him going in and getting denied or getting stopped in a rebound but he just kept at it his persistence and his determination and and the will to get in there and continue to take the beating and continue to try and score and then you have to have some ability there is some god given talent too right with the hands and the ability to uh, your timing and to to get the shots off and when there's guys trying to take your head off or get, you know, check your stick or whatever so there's talent but uh, again with with Andrew i'm going to say like He's here because of his determination, his insights and his perseverance and his never never say quit uh, attitude.
0: You, you talk to Andrew even now, Todd, Todd Buttons with us, Flames Director of Amateur Scouting. You talk to Manj even now, and that chip on his shoulder, he mentions it all the time, that hasn't gone away. It's its something that has driven him right from the get-go. And I remember, I remember he was at that draft in Florida, and he gets picked in the sixth round, and I remember interviewing him on the riser. He's wearing his Flames jersey, and even then, he was talking about how I know like, oh, I'm going to show people and I know what people say about about me. And like how how evident was that chip on his shoulder in a good way when you were going through your interviews with him or right after you had selected him?
2: Oh, well, he was fired up. <laughs> he was fired up. It was like, what? What took you guys so long? And the thing about him, like, he, he didn't he didn't let us off the hook either. You know what I mean? Like, uh, we we ended up taking him, and and thankfully we did. But he was he was fired up, and, and you see it. That's that's his that's the blood. That's his insides. That's how the blood flows through his veins, and uh, that's that's why he's been able to to do what he's done. Um, so far in his career, and I don't think he's uh, he's finished by any means.
0: You uh you end up coming away from from that draft. You don't have a first round pick in 2015 because that was the Dougie Hamilton trade, and yet you draft Rasmus Anderson, Oliver Shillington in the second round, and Monjapani in round six, and all three have turned into. Full time NHLers. And I know that you you expect to hit on every pick you make, but you know, looking back, you get three full time NHLers without a first round pick in the same draft. That you gotta look back at that as a as a pretty high end success story that year.
2: Absolutely. That's a win. That's a win for the scouts. That's a win for the scouting staff, and it's obviously a win for the organization.
0: Um, okay. So now there's the two players that have really lit the city on fire here of late and those are a couple more recent draft picks uh let's start with connor zary because that was the first ever covid draft that was your first pick in the first ever virtual covid draft Take us back to uh take us back to twenty twenty and as your group was honing in on this forward from the Camloops Blazers, you trade down a couple of times and you still get your guy. What uh, what went into that selection a little more than three years ago?
2: Well, Connor came on the map the year before for me personally. Um our Western scouts knew him at the under eighteenth in Europe and he was uh he was he was really good. Obviously I wasn't tracking him in junior because he was, uh, he was an underage, but uh, he was the thing that showed up in his game was, was smart. And um, he played, uh, I think he played center that tournament could have been wing, but it was his smart and his persistence and his work ethic. And uh, sometimes when you see those, uh, those guys play at, uh, as underages, it immediately, um, when you go back next year to see him again, and obviously he was well thought of, he was uh he was, um, he was a high, uh, high-end prospect to start the season. But now you're going to see him, and that's etched in your mind. And so you're, you've, he set a base for himself as far as the hockey sense and the smarts as an underage. So you just want to follow through and see what else there is. And uh, as the season wears on and you get more viewings and more viewings, and then um, I know uh, Chris Snow's analytics department had, a, had, a, had him ranked fairly high as well. So all the pieces were coming together as far as the total evaluation. Matt Brown knew the kid and interviewed him and absolutely loved his, uh, his mindset. So there was lots of moving pieces even back then with, with Connor. And, uh, I think that was a, a pretty good draft. So I think, uh, we were, we were happy to get Connor where we got him. And then I think there's been, a, there was a little bit setback with injuries for him. And, um, again, the, the word perseverance and determination, he didn't, he didn't let anything phase him. He kept on getting better and better and putting his work in. And, uh, here he is now. And, uh, we want to see it continue that uh, determination and perseverance has gotten to this stage.
1: When a, a scout and a, a scouting staff, you know, is really keen on a guy, what, uh, what's the double trade down due do to your emotions? What, what, what are the <laughs> nerves like when you're waiting to find out if you can still get Connor's area as you bump down a couple times?
2: Well, the thing, the thing was, and, and I say this all the time, and you guys know this, it wasn't just Connor where there was four guys. So that's why we were able to do it. If Connor had gone at 19 or 20 or whatever, but um, he was still there um, on both trade downs. So it got to the point where he was the top of that four guy list. So he was the guy we wanted, but the other, the other three guys are, uh, are good players too. So um, without saying their names, but uh, Connor was the guy. And uh, again, he got set back a little bit with the injury and then, uh, Uh, The 15 games played the one year, and and again the COVID year that has an effect on everybody, right? So, um, but the the determination again, it's perseverance. Like these kids that go through that injuries and stuff, and uh, and the one thing you can you you pretty well know about a lot of high end athletes, as you guys know, is they want to get there as fast as they can. And setbacks aren't easy to handle mentally, but these guys have been able to handle themselves. very well. Uh, Manjapan, he was going through the draft, you know, backs with his jumper's knee in his draft year. And now we're talking about Connor Zary, who's uh, just come on the stage now, even getting sent down at the start of this year. He went down and uh, he, he was a guy in, in uh, Calgary. He wanted to do it was, sorry, in Calgary, with the Wranglers. He was, uh, he was a key player for him. So he didn't go down and pout and say, I deserve this, or I, I want to get out of here. He, he went down and he performed. So kudos to him.
1: Todd, does this organization value that perseverance and determination maybe any differently than, than some might, or is it just sort of coincidence that that's an important ingredient? And I know it will be when we talk about Martin Pospisil as well, but is it just coincidence that that's such a key ingredient for all these guys we're talking about today?
2: I, I think it's, I don't think it's unique to us. That's for sure. I think it's a standard across the board. You, you see these guys, you watch them from their 17. I think it's, it's all sports. It's uh it's football, it's golf. You, I'm a, I'm a huge uh, NFL fan, CFL fan. I just watched that great cup the other night. Like the setbacks that athletes deal with uh, on the way to the top, everybody's not a, a golden child. So there's going to be setbacks. So you have to, you have to have that. So that is an important part of the evaluation. It's not the end of the evaluation, right. but it's an important part.
0: Um, Todd, last guy we wanted to ask you about was, uh, and, and again, Wes said it. Yeah, probably, uh, probably going to bring up that that P word once again and perseverance and. That was, uh, that's was that been a big part of Martin Pospisil's journey to the NHL, but you go back to that 2018 draft in Dallas, you didn't have a pick until round number four, so it was a quiet day one and even a quiet start to day two, and you pick this guy with 253 penalty minutes out of USHL Sioux City, and you're like, okay, this guy looks like he's got a little bit of edge. What, uh, what did you like about Martin Pospisil back in 2018? What was the thing that drew you to- to him as your first pick of that year's draft?
2: Another guy we saw the year before is an underage at the uh, under-18s, and we were drawn to him then, and then we found out he had interest in uh, going to college, and uh, the USHL, so um, it, it was his, he was, he was fiery, and he was competitive, and it hurt his overall game because he took too many penalties or was in the, you know, fighting and stuff like that, where he didn't need to, but uh, it's It's uh, hard to take that fire out of somebody. And I think uh, Jimmy Cummins, like, it it wasn't a, speaking of fire, Jimmy Cummins, we were taking Pospisil in the fourth round. He said we're going to take him our next, as soon as, like, Jimmy had it pegged out. And a a guy with that much fire, fighting for a guy with that much fire, there was nobody that was going to say no.
1: What's it like now? And and I know you can ask this question about any guy, but, you know, when you get a guy in the fourth round, no one's expecting a, a sure thing. And, and so now you see that fire playing out eight games so far. Martin Pospisil's just made a really, really good impression for this Flames team. So for you and and for the rest of the scouting staff, like what's it like to watch that now play out?
2: Um, it's amazing. It's amazing. And you're so happy for the kid, first of all, because you know what he's been through injury-wise, and so proud that he stayed with it. So, um, But the one thing with I don't like to say this because um, you know, everybody has their own list and evaluate people differently, but um, we were shocked that he was still there. Like We had him ranked way higher. So like when Jimmy started at the table, like we knew we were taking him because that's how high we had him on our list. He wasn't just a guy that was an area list guy. He was a guy that all our crossover guys have seen multiple times, and we really liked the whole skill set. So um, you don't find guys like that uh, anymore or as often as you used to. But uh, he had it, and uh, the best part about him is he kept working. And he always had speed. He always had decent hands. He just didn't always um, make it that much as of, as an importance to his game to to succeed offensively or to make the plays. And uh, he played a lot of center too. So there was there was nothing we didn't like about a six two and a half center iceman with uh, with fire. So skill and speed, like lots lots to like.
1: It it sounds like it's lucky you saw him on the ice a few times with 253 <laughs> penalty minutes.
2: There's, I'll be honest with you, there was a few games where Scotts went in and he was either kicked out <laughs> or sat for 15 minutes or whatever the case may be. But uh, but that's why you have the whole year to scout him. And like I said, we saw him at the under-18s the year before, and um, he was really good. And He was... Uh, he he didn't play like that in that tournament. So we ha- again, you, you sort of go into the season with what you think is a basic skill set, and see if he can develop that as the season goes on, and then you evaluate if he can, can that trajectory can keep going to get him to the pro.
1: Todd, do all these reasons that we wanted to have you on, and this has been awesome, by the way. Like from Michael Backlund's 500th point to uh, Andrew Monjopani's 100th goal to the emergence of, of Connor Zary and of Martin Posspulsil as they sort of add up, does this give you a chance as a scouting staff to, to really take some pride in, in what you've done here?
2: Uh, Um, yeah, absolutely. You're, you're proud of these guys. You're proud of, uh, where they've come from. Like I said, the perseverance, you're especially proud of your staff that, uh, stayed with the guys and didn't give up on a Pani, the Jimmy Connors who didn't give up on the pasta. So that's, that's part of it, right? Like you get to the, starting to get to these dark days of scouting right now, you know, November, December, January, and uh, going to the rink, uh, trudging through the, the weather and, and watching these guys another time, another two times, just to make sure that's, that's important. So I, I'm proud of them proud of the staff for getting these guys and staying with it. And then obviously the players, like I said, we've talked about four guys that have showed tremendous determination and perseverance through whatever the, the challenges were. And, uh, um, hopefully, um, both Marty and Connor can keep going and, uh, Manji and Bax, uh, hopefully they got a lot left in the tank.
0: Uh, I gotta say, I always will remember that pick. I, I when I, when, when, Martin Pospisil, USHL, Sioux City. I remember sitting there on the riser in Dallas, and you go type it in, and you start to, you're like, holy, this guy's how big and has how many penalty minutes? (laughs) This guy's six-something and 170 pounds and has 253 penalty minutes. Yeah, I remember remember that vividly.
2: He came over, and uh, maybe as a European, he wanted to prove a point, but he was also a really good teammate. Like, you couldn't take advantage of any of his teammates, and I bet you had a few quite a few instigators that year for somebody taking advantage of uh, one of the teammates and him coming to coming to his aid or coming to his rescue. So that's awesome. Um, again, great teammate. And uh, I like, uh, so happy for him to see where he is right now, knowing what he went through, especially with the injuries and how that must've hurt him. How, mu- how hard that must've been mentally.
0: How, uh, how's prep going for uh 2024 NHL draft at a still to be determined location?
2: It's going great. It's great. It's uh, it's. We just got back from Europe. Fred Parker and uh, Rob Subner and I, and we had a conference call today. And uh, you know, we're getting uh, we're getting into the meat. Like I said, the meat and the dog days of the schedule. So we got to get out here and keep watching these guys. And then we got the the big events coming up uh, right after Christmas, the World Juniors and a couple prospect games. So really, really excited to see how this whole year plays out.
1: I know you've got bigger things to think about when it comes to the draft, but we keep hearing rumors of the sphere. What do you think?
2: I don't. You know, I don't even know what the sphere is. (laughs) (laughs) I think wherever they, i I, I actually know what it is because I researched it out there. What the heck is the sphere? But. um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, maybe uh, it's not a good place, uh, that city, for uh,
0: scouts. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know what you could possibly be talking
1: about. I, I'll tell you that reporters have those same allergies there, so it's, <laughs> you're not alone there, Todd.
2: <laughs> I don't. I don't want to lose any scout staff that's all Hey, I'm you saying. got
0: through. You got through Nashville, so I like. I don't really know how it'll be all that different in Las Vegas if that's where it ends up. Being. Good, good, good point by you. Uh, great to uh, talk to you as always, Todd. Thank you, man. I'm sure we'll uh, see you at the dome a couple of times between now and the draft, but uh, that was a lot of fun. Thanks for uh, taking us uh, down that trip. Memory land. That was, uh, hey, that was really good.
2: Thanks for having me guys. It was a lot of fun for me too.
0: Thank you, Todd. That is uh, Todd button, the director of amateur scouting for the Calgary flames, joining us inside hockey for Calgary co-op flames fans meet Cal and Gary top products curated for Calgarians. And we mean every single one of you only available at Calgary co-op. Visit them today. It's Pat and Wes along with you on this hour of Flames talk. That was fun. That was a heck of an idea from uh, the creative brain that exists
1: of the two brains here. That was, that was a lot of fun. It, I could pick Todd button's brain for hours about past drafts. And, and I know we can't share the, the other names that they might've been looking for in, in specific wheelhouses, but uh, just always really fun. And, and some, listen, a scouting staff is never batting a thousand, but uh, there's some success stories that we've watched play out in, in the yep. past couple of weeks, especially, and going back and, you know Tata and and his staff should be proud of those guys.
0: What this text says? Ask about draft failures and what went wrong. Yeah, that's uh, that's you know they're going to give a lot of yeses. You know what? Can we have the director of amateur scouting on? And we'll talk about all the guys that they didn't hit on. You know that that's a great interview idea. I'm sure that we'd get a lot of thumbs up from all the different director of amateur scouting around the around the NHL.
1: But if you look at and and again, you're never batting a thousand, but. If you look at this current Flames team and you look at what Martin Pospisil is doing as a fourth round pick, you look at Andrew Mangiapane, who they got in the sixth and has 100 goals. They got Rasmus Anderson in the rather late stages of the second round. He might be the most important player on the entire roster right now. And even guys like Connor Zeri, you know, Jacob Pelche, who's currently injured, when you're picking that late in the first round, you're not expecting to to get a slam dunk. And so kudos to the Flames. Yeah, there, there's there been some misses. Nobody's here to say that's not true, but they found some really nice value, yep. especially in recent years with some of these guys.
0: Wes Gilbertson's on Twitter at Wes Gilbertson. Taylor, our producer this hour. This is the Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. This Christmas, give the gift of security with smart locks and safes. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com.